Welcome back. Now, Finance Minister Enoch Otongwane tabled his medium-term budget policy statement, shedding light on the critical fiscal challenges facing South Africa. Now, the National Treasury's latest budget data paints a grim picture due to significant underperformance in revenue collections and soaring expenditure projections for 2023 and 2024. The South African economy is grappling with sluggish economic growth against a backdrop of ongoing load shedding and plummeting export commodity prices. We unpack these fiscal issues, analyzing the potential impact on South Africa's economic future with Chief Economist and Head of Research at the CEEMEA Economics, uh, that's uh, Gina Skumal, as well as Chief Economist at Investing, Annabelle Bishop. Good afternoon to you both and thank you so much for being with us today. Annabelle, I'll start with you. Uh, awesome. You are in studio. Let's talk about uh, yesterday. Uh, what was your overall sense of yesterday's MTBPS? My sense is that he, he actually performed very well in terms of the tight circumstances that South Africa is in. Look, the um, fiscal underrun, which they project, is, is essentially in line with our view. You know, we're expecting between about 50 and 60 billion. And of course, you know, that really talked to the fact that we had this elevated debt trajectory. So I think, you know, that, that was expected. I think what the markets like, and of course, we did see a little bit of RAND strength after the budget, but let's not forget probably some of that was due to the FOMC meeting as well later that evening when they obviously did hold interest rates and change markets were expecting that so I think you know the, the what the markets really saw in this budget was the cuts in expenditure and that, that I think you know is talked to the fact that National Treasury is really trying to still aim for fiscal consolidation which is absolutely key for South Africa you know they, they did a very interesting analysis they said a 1% increase in interest rates plus you know higher inflation also around 1% and of course as well one rand depreciation the rand which we've had even more of last year actually talks to such a substantial revenue underrun on its own and of course, raises borrowing costs, you know, and, and that, that is the big issue that we really face in South Africa, that we're also seeing higher yields as well. So overall, you know, a difficult financial and market environment, a difficult economic environment, but one which I think came across as quite balanced. And I think the credit rating agencies are probably not actually going to be that unhappy with this budget. It's credit negative from the point of view, you know, the borrowing goes up, the fiscal deficit widens, and, you know, there's many issues around it. But there's also, you know, on the other hand, some efforts to try and bring in controls and we might probably just end up maybe with some negative outlooks as opposed to actual downgrades. Well, that is a rather encouraging. You know, I'd like to bring you in here. Uh, the finance minister, uh, he projected a growth of 0.8% in 2023 and then 1.4% between 2024 and 2026. Often governments tend to be a little bit more optimistic uh, than uh, other independent uh, analysts. I'm wondering if 1.4% is optimistic. For next year, um, we actually don't think so. I think the real GDP growth forecasts are very realistic. In fact, um, they look very similar to ours, and I would say ours are rather conservative. If there's upside risk to ours, um, and I'd assume also to theirs, it will come from investment in South Africa as we move through the renewable stream um, thanks to our energy crisis. Um, but if there's downside risk, it's going to come from the global um, conditions next year because we are expecting some recessionary conditions across some of our key developed markets. But, you know, at the end of the day, the budget is based on nominal growth. And there we think Treasury is being too optimistic. So their nominal growth forecast over coming years are sitting around six, slightly higher than 6%, whereas our nominal growth forecast at Citibank are sitting closer between the 45 and 5% range. Of course, inflation is always a big part of this. Inflation can make nominal growth look artificially high, but um, nominal growth is really key 
your budget because it is the nominal size of your economy. So it is going to be your key driver of your revenue channel and what expenditure should be linked to. Annabelle, where are you forecasting a growth and what do you think are that 1.4% uh, for 2024 and moving forward? I think it's quite possible. You know, if you're looking at 1.2, 1.4%, there's not much of a muchness, yeah. really. And, you know, I think it's, it's not too far. I was not much out of line with consensus expectations either. The reality of the situation is that we need much stronger economic growth than that is being forecasted. And, of course, you know, with the renewable energy coming online, but slowly these are the problems that we face. You know, obviously we have seen the availability factor of electricity improve to around 60% from actually below, I think, 50% for one nasty week. And, you know, that really places us in a situation where we have obviously seen a bit of improvement in economic growth forecasts this year. And next year, of course, as well, where there's continued work expected to both improve the performance of ESKIM and for more renewable energy to come online. But unfortunately, it's not going to be enough to lift us above really the 1.5% mark. And let's not forget the big issue we face around Transnet. You know, Transnet perhaps a bit cheekily asking for a bailout once again. And, you know, government not very keen, government not keen to put this burden on its balance sheet. We've already seen, you know, the difficulties they face from the higher borrowing costs and the higher um, ratio of borrowings that they're obviously facing. You know, for an emerging market country, debt sustainability is seen around 60% of GDP. And of course, with our debt peaking maybe closer to 78% of GDP, you know, that obviously is a, a grave concern. So they don't really want to keep adding pressure to the balance sheet. In fact, you know, we've actually noted that National Treasury is keen for the SOEs to act like private businesses, to actually generate their own revenue, their own profitability, and of course, you know, not hang off the state. And that really talks to, of course, as well, Eskom's debt relief program, where obviously it needs now to, you know, start to perform, has to pay interest on the loans. But of course, as well, you know, it needs to actually follow the guidelines given by National Treasury. National Treasury doesn't want to have uh, debt guarantees anymore from, from the SOEs. I mean, the transit one's very small at 3.5 billion, but nevertheless, you know, this is this is what's holding us back. The, the lack of performance from Transnet compared to what the economy needs and the slow performance at Eskom. So, you know, further out, we see growth going towards 2% and then, you know, eventually let's hope we can get to 3%. But unfortunately, you know, we really are constrained by our factors of production this year and of course next year. I'm glad you mentioned SOEs, Jean. I'd like to bring you in here. For years, literally years, uh, we've suffered the moral hazard, uh, you know, as a result of state-owned enterprise bailouts. Nothing has worked. I'm wondering, when we hear the finance minister, you know, being so heavy-handed, is this a better approach? Are we uh, more confident in the approach? Of course, only time will tell. And the reason I ask the issue of confidence also is because we are heading into an election year. An election year uh, often has a government uh, kind of a bit relaxed on things that they should shouldn't be relaxed on. Well, I mean, it's a very good thing that Treasury has drawn, um, drawn a, a very hard line in the sand when it comes to Transnet. I mean, if you look at the actual MTBPS document, um, there's almost nothing said on Transnet at all. And the reason being, which Treasury was very open about in the Q&A sessions thereafter, is because at the end of the day, they can't even begin a conversation about debt relief for Transnet and help them with those financing discussions um, unless they have a proper plan. And we all know that they have to align their plan with obviously government's roadmap. Um, and, and they basically have to get their books in order. Only then 
is Treasury willing to take the risk of even helping them? Now, yes, that means you could get a small cash bailout here or there. Um, but I think going forward, you know, they've learned a lot of lessons from ESCOM. They made they made a very good point yesterday, and they repeated it m many times. It took them one and a half years to structure the debt relief program for ESCOM. So if you're expecting something like that for Treasury, well, you know how long off it would be. But there is clearly no appetite from Treasury to take on all of Transnet's debt. Um, they, were, they were very open yesterday to discuss that there are various options that would not entail the sovereign balance sheet of government um, when it comes to helping Transnet out. But to Annabelle's point, the problem here is that, you know, we can, we can talk about who should or who shouldn't, mm -hmm. but we desperately do need our logistical sector to get up and running because we've missed out on so much growth up to this point, and unfortunately, it keeps getting worse. But I don't think it's we're not going to hear about it anytime soon. Um, we're going to have to wait until those plans are aligned, and then maybe we'll see something in the February budget next year. But to your point of the elections coming up, yes, um, I think there is quite a lot echoing in the budget already on that. Um, not always bad. Uh, news, but let's just say uh, realistic, and and it, it ensures a degree of fiscal credibility. So I don't think the SOEs are likely to see fiscal impulse going into the elections as such. If anything, it's um, being soft on your public sector wage bill, um, and that's something you must look at the allocations for over coming years. You know, the ANC government, depending on how much they need votes going into that election, will have to lean very hard. On, on the unions, as they always have in the past, but even more so now, every vote's going to count. But also, Treasury, finally, and we say finally, even though we can't really work out how to afford this, it has been part of the consensus that the social relief of distress grant would just roll from one year to the next. Whereas Treasury kept saying, no, we can only extend it for one year at a time because it's a permanent expenditure otherwise and we don't have permanent revenue for it. And that's part of their own fiscal credibility. But now they've looked ahead and said, you know what, we know we can't take this away. We're going to announce now, early enough, that the Social Relief and Distress Grant will continue through 2024 and 2025. They've made a provisional allocation for it. And yes, we don't have a permanent revenue channel for it, but we do have a tax measure, which we're going to announce next year. Now that's a very interesting thing to try and do just before an election. Whatever that tax measure is that's coming in the February budget, and it's about 15 billion rand, you've got to think to yourself, could it be VAT? Probably not at all. Um, VAT would obviously be very sensitive to a voting um, a voting nation and also very sensitive to social stability and consumers that haven't seen a lot of income as of late. Um, and at the same time, th that echoes personal income tax, corporate income tax. You know, these things you can't easily do at the moment. I would say near impossible. So it does leave us wondering what they're going to do um, in order to get that 15 billion in tax, which they sorely need. Um, but we'll have to wait for the February budget. But yes, there is already an element of elections um, starting to creep in, though not always in a bad way, sometimes just in a very realistic way. 
I'm keen to speak about debt. Uh, you know, uh, the issue of debt, I think, has been uh, one that has been fiercely debated in, in South Africa. 77% uh, of GDP, Annabelle. Is this something to be concerned about? I think I spoke to an economist yesterday who said, well, when Trevor Manuel handed over the economy to uh, the, uh, the next financial, finance minister, it was 23% of GDP. We're sitting at 77% of GDP, and we've got no, nothing we can point at. We can't say there's the bridge, there's the road, and maybe that's the issue. Do we have a looming debt crisis? And to add to what you're saying as well, you know, the grave concern is what do we have to show for this blowout in debt? You know, moving from the low 20s to close to 80% now is the planned projection for the peaking of South Africa's debt cycle. You know, th there hasn't really been anything to show for it. We've actually seen a loss of capacity in our state-owned entities. You know, our electricity availability production factor has gone down. We produce less electricity than we were able to previously with the same amount of capacity. Our transnet, we know, has deteriorated substantially as well. We see a very weak economy. There's been a broad-scale deterioration. Do we assume that it's been looted out the system by corruption, wasted inefficiency? I mean, seriously, th this is a grave, grave concern. Huge number of, um, well, first of all, a huge amount of fiscal expansion, but a huge number of years of fiscal expansion as well has actually amounted to very, very little. And of course, most of it took place under Pravin Gordon's tenure as finance minister. So the worry that we obviously have now is we don't have any more fiscal room really to borrow. If we're going to go over the 80% mark and think we can carry on rising, remember we had the, the poor budgets a few years ago projected, that worried the credit rating agencies enormously. It's almost like we have a very hopeful budget that we saw last night. We're hoping that economic growth is better next year. It doesn't put in any you know, um, possibility that we could actually have a worse economic environment next year. Maybe there's a global shock. We never know what's coming. So if we, w if we move into a worse environment, you know, unfortunately, then we might be in the space to have to borrow more. It doesn't make any room or allowances for that. Instead, it's hoping that things are just going to get better from here. And that's really what we built our trajectory or our forecasts on. There are no real provisions. In fact, we're actually eating into some of the provisions and liabilities just to pay for current expenditure. And of course, that's the worry again. Civil servants, salaries and wages. We talked about the SRD um, grant as well. <clears throat> you know, obviously we, we can cover the SRD grant. 15 billion is not that much in the great scheme of things in terms of the borrowings and of course as well in terms of the, the, the money garnered in for tax revenues. You know, if we did see commodity, the commodity cycle pick up a bit quicker next year, the increased RAND value or or, you know, dollar-based value, which translates eventually into rands, of those commodities then obviously push up the tax values as well without us having to literally export much more. So that could be an unexpected boom. But, you know, taking all that away, we actually are in quite a risky environment. And I think that's what's worrying markets. That, that's really what's worrying investors as well. Things are manageable at the moment, but that 15 billion, we might be able to raise it through not obviously extending um, relief for bracket creep, you know, when your salary goes into higher tax bracket just from an inflation adjustment. You're not really actually earning more. And taking that away from consumers obviously then cuts into economic growth. So you'd be actually negatively impacting economic growth to afford the social relief distress grant. So you can see how there's all these trade that need to be considered. I'm not, I'm not convinced that National Treasury will go down that route, but it's quite possible they will. I think overall, from a debt perspective, you know, we've seen the rise in our bond yields. They didn't really come down by an enormous amount yesterday. There was a, a modest, small, a few basis point decrease. And you can see that's what investors think of South Africa, that, we that we're a high-risk environment. And, you know, if you look at where our bond yields were actually in the 2000s, when we had that low debt ratio you talked about, you know, of nearer 20%, that was actually around 6 percent 
for a 10-year bond, not 12%, not double, you know, where it is uh, now. And, of course, that really talks to the deterioration of our fiscal metrics, but, of course, the, the loss of creditworthiness. As you increase your supply of debt, so, of course, your ability to repay your debt declines, and, of course, your yields tend to rise. And, you know, uh, we are closing now, keen to get your thoughts on debt and maybe any, uh, you know, outgoing thoughts. Yes, well, I, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, just not to echo too much of what Annabelle just said, um, which I agree with, you know, at the when debt rises so much, it's because your country risk premium is up. And our country risk premium has escalated so much over the last decade, very more recently, um, even more so. And this is investors needing some type of assurance for the risk of investing in your country. So, you know, we, we spoke earlier about debt servicing costs, and, and this is where it becomes unsustainable. I mean, at City, our forecasts are not for debt to stabilize. You know, we see debt to GDP easily hitting 8%, um, just because we're not as optimistic about tre- uh, as Treasury is over the out years. But it's your debt servicing cost burden that is really starting to crowd out in a very, very big way. Mm-hmm. And when debt servicing costs crowd out in a way that you cannot even afford, um, you know, the basic needs that keep social stability together, that's when it all starts to fall apart. What we're concerned about from this budget is that if you look out into from this year into um, future years, Treasury is still just looking at domestic long-term loans, which is usually SAGBs. This year they're doing FRM, they're doing Cook, but they're not, wor- they're not willing quite yet to get as creative as they would need to in order to bring down their debt servicing costs. And as a result, if you compare the February budget to where we are just six months later, the sensitivity of our debt servicing costs at the moment in South Africa to interest rates, short-term and long-term, have escalated significantly. Now, that's a very risky place to be um, for a country like South Africa, especially when we're looking out globally and we're not really sure what inflation is going to always do. Plus, of course, the interest rate environment coming from a zero rate um, bound world. But, you know, that is the biggest problem is that your debt servicing cost burden has now come to a point where if they don't start to find ways to reduce it, it's simply going to show up very easy in this economy mm. as spending that cannot happen on things that we need on a day-to-day basis. Well, unfortunately, out of time, I'd like to thank you both, Gina and Abel, for coming to the studio and speaking to us this afternoon. That was Chief Economist and Head of Research at the CCMEA Economics, Gina Skuman, and Chief Economist at Investec, Annabelle Bishop.